Hi friends, this is Jonathan Frizz, founder of 10 Days. Earlier this year, I did a series of interviews with my good friend, Greg Healy, attempting to do an in-depth telling of the 10 Days story. 10 Days is a movement that began in 2004. Since then, God has enabled it to expand into a global prayer and unity movement. Trust me, it's taken a lot longer than I initially thought, but after 17 years, it's incredible to see the original vision unfolding before our eyes. Over the years, I've cast vision for 10 days hundreds of times, probably thousands. I've become adept in sharing about 10 days in 30 seconds, five minutes, or 30 minutes, however long they're willing to give me. If it's a really, really good day, I might get an hour to share, which means I can usually get into some pretty cool testimonies. It's been on my heart for some time to do a longer, more leisurely telling where we could really dive deep into the history, the God encounters, the miracles, the mistakes, and the mysteries of this incredible journey. This is the prophetic history of the movement, how we've grown from small beginnings to where we are today. It's also a personal history, a history of faith, fear, tragedy, disappointment, love, and learning how to follow Jesus. In my case, that's often meant learning the hard way. I think this will be an encouragement and an inspiration to you both because of the amazing things that have happened and continue to happen, but also because of the failures and mistakes we've faced along the journey. Hopefully you can avoid some of these pitfalls or else when you encounter whatever you need to encounter and go through what you need to go through, you'll at least know a few things not to do. Following Jesus is the most beautiful thing I can even imagine, but it's also the most painful and it costs us everything. However, at the end of the day, what else are we going to do with our short lives? Why not decide to give everything to the only one found worthy in heaven and on earth, the one who gave everything to make us his own? I hope you enjoy this series. And remember, please subscribe to our podcast as well. These are podcast exclusives, and we hope that you will be encouraged and enjoy them. God bless. We've talked a little bit about finances. That's not the only kind of yeah. challenge that you or I have faced. No. Tell me another type of challenge that you want to talk about. I will. We're, we'll talk about my son and the health issues that he encountered. I, I've got two sons, and one of them, uh, we saw an amazing result, and one, we, one Ryan, passed away. And oh some goodness. of the people uh, who had... It was like you were describing earlier. Um, some people were angry. Well, why would you let Ryan, Greg's son, go through that when Greg is serving you and they almost get upset with God over that situation? Right. So just let me stop you for a second. How does it tie into doing 10 days or just into the ministry that you're doing in general? Yeah. So the way it ties into 10 days is that for whatever reason, and it's still so somewhat of a sovereignty of God mystery. Both uh, Ryan and Connor's difficulties medically occurred during 10 days of prayer. Wow. So then the first case of Connor, uh, my son, he had an issue where they uh, basically his, uh, they, the threat was that his organ, one of his uh, organs was dying and they were going to have to cut it out of him. And, um, and so when did this happen? This happened like in the middle of 10 days. We were organizing for Connecticut and going from place to place. This probably would have been 2000 and 
want to say 2019 maybe was when this happened. And I remember uh, it was the middle of the night. I had like hardly any sleep going from place to place. I'm driving all over Connecticut to go to each night's gatherings that we had organized throughout the state with many churches and uh, ministry organizations. And so I was on the back of uh, being there for those and encouraging and helping people uh, accomplish that for during the 10 days. And it was awesome to do that, but uh, it left me physically exhausted. So I was, in, I think I was in the middle of the night, uh, just had hit the pillow, uh, probably like, I don't know, one in the morning or something. And uh, my son Connor comes in and says like, he's in excruciating pain. And he's like, Hey dad, like, you know, something's going on with me. And so we start praying and um, we're praying for his healing. We're praying for, you know, whatever this is, this, I felt like it was a spiritual attack. I felt like, you know, what, what is going on that my son who's never had a problem like this in his life in the middle of 10 days is being assaulted. And so we prayed, we prayed together. Um, and, uh, so he got better for a while. Then it got worse. This is all again during the 10 days of prayer. And um, at one point, we had a gathering up in Waterbury, Connecticut, in a place called Holy Land, which is on the top of a hill where there's a cross. And there's also like a little chapel up there where uh, the local team had organized gathering uh, the churches together, the body of Christ together up in that chapel. And the the evening that... Uh, Connor, my son, had to go to the hospital was the evening that I was like, Lord, what do I do? Like, do I go? Do I stay? Do I need to go to the hospital with my son? Like, he's going in for surgery now, like, or potentially, like, has an issue. Um, so I prayed about it. Bridget prayed about it. And we decided that the Lord was saying, go. Keep going. Keep doing what I was asking you to do. Go to that Waterbury meeting and I'll take care of the the matter, you know, the, the dynamic. And so Bridget went to the hospital and I went to Waterbury. And on the way to Waterbury, we were in a car together with some other uh, folk. Grant Berry was one of them. And we were praying for Connor. And what happened uh, was I get a text saying, we're going to have to uh, we're going to have to amputate. We're going to have to get rid of the organ. Uh, it's dead. And so that was terribly disheartening, disappointing trouble. Um, so I got upset to be honest. I was really upset. I knew that it wasn't right to get upset with God. So I was getting upset with uh, the enemy for having done this to my son in my way of thinking about it. And so we prayed and we prayed and we prayed and um, I think then what happened was, like, as we arrived, we ended up praying with the team. I remember Pastor James Lilly was there. Uh, he and I prayed together, walking up the mountain before the meeting got going for Connor. Uh, others were praying. Then in the meeting, uh, I let people know the honest truth of what was going on. It was difficult for me to be there. I was doing a segment um, during that time in that, in that worship gathering. Uh, and so uh, everyone was praying for Connor and, uh, I, in the middle of, uh, sometime later, maybe half an hour later, I remember Bridget texting me, 
Mary Bruce was actually one of the organizers. Uh, Mary Bruce, who was at the time the uh, head of the National Day of Prayer for the New England region. She was like the regional coordinator. She was also a part of the first Church of Waterbury uh, Assemblies of God, which is now called House of Prayer Church. That's Pastor James's church. She was up going through a segment of repentance and it was very somber. It was very serious. It was very uh, heartfelt. And I had received at that time this text, this incoming text from Bridget, and it was like the surgeon, surgery was successful. The surgeon was able to save the organ. And I just like couldn't believe how amazing that was and how God had come through. Hmm. So in the time of my son being afflicted, and I felt very strongly this was an attack. Uh, this was not like God was not like trying to mess with me. This was like the enemy trying to interfere with the 10 days of prayer experience, not only for me, but for the movement. And, uh, and, uh, but God allows stuff like this to happen so that we can see the glory coming out the other side of it one way or the other. You know, it's like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, uh, we're not going to bow down this statue to you, Nebuchadnezzar, but we're going into the furnace and God is with us. And whether he saves us or he doesn't, this is what we're doing. Right, right. So in this case, I get the text saying, amazing thing, Connor's going to be spared. Wow, praise God. And I, I was so... It was so amazing hearing that, and I remember, okay, Lord, how am I gonna, how am I gonna, Mary Bruce is going strong on this repentance <laughs> segment. How am I gonna let the people know? I'm jumping out of my pants trying to like let people know and excited and and it's crazy, you know. So 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 like the Lord that that Mary Bruce stops in the middle of her repentance segment, cold stops. And she turns to everybody and says, I think God is asking us to pray for Connor again. And as soon as she said that, I'm like, that's my key. That's my entry point. <laughs> I'm like, actually, Mary, I've got some great news. And so I went up and shared. And like everybody went bananas. Like I mean, people were just like, ah, this is amazing. We were like all worshiping and praising awesome. God. And so there's like, who wants to have their own kids get physically afflicted to that degree um, because, you know, it's part of serving in God's purposes and plans in ministry. In this case, the tent is a prayer, like a time that transforms the body of Christ. And my own son is like on the table um, in the hospital. That's so, that's so, div I mean, as parents, we know that's like the, anything having to do with our kids is almost you know much worse than anything that could happen to us personally Absolutely. in a lot of ways i mean it's not even yeah so you saw that as warfare you saw that as a spiritual attack yeah it was one that god allowed uh, for his purposes and then for his glory it's very clear at the, on this story how it ended uh was amazing right like, okay so yeah that was difficult but amazing uh, connor was spared now, the next part of my story here, unless you want to take a break for something else, is about Ryan. So the next year, let's see, I think it's 20, it was the very next year in 2020, we were organizing 10 Days of Prayer um, the next fall. 
And uh, Joellen had uh, a team with this uh, 10 Days of Prayer initiative called the Canal, the Farmington Trail Canal Walk. Do you remember that? Yeah. So this is like walking trail that goes from New Haven, Connecticut, up to another center of revival historically, which is Northampton, Massachusetts. So this old canal connected New Haven with Northampton. And now that canal was gone, but a trail was in its place or like kind of in this went the same path. So the idea of that was during the 10 days, we're going to take uh, 10 segments of walking and unify the church together with whoever will turn out and walk and pray through those neighborhoods, those cities, as we go up this canal trail. That's going to be this expression, this one of many expressions of 10 days of prayer in Connecticut. So I was with Joellen and the team. And it was an awesome thing, and it was a glorious morning, and it was, like, beautiful out. We started on the campus of Yale. Um, that's the campus where, you know, uh, George Winfield went to. Jo- Jonathan Ed- Edwards was trained at Yale. Uh, Whitfield preached at Yale. And, and so people may know that Edwards pastored a church in Northampton, Massachusetts. Right, right. some of these fav- famous uh, revivalists of so, uh, the First Great Awakening. Yeah, so this is all significant. Um and so we start off in Yale, New Haven, and uh, we go on that walk. It was great. And at the end of it, I parted ways with everybody, said, hey, good to be with you guys. Um, and right at that time, Bridget calls me, and I find out uh, from the hospital, because my son Ryan was uh, at that time at, uh, in the hospital, um, and she says they – they have just let me know that Ryan has been diagnosed with cancer. So the very morning of Rosh Hashanah in the beginning of 10 days, I get this message, which was terrible. And like, you know, so that's, that's even worse than the situation that happened the prior year. And, um, here again, I'm like, Lord, what, what, what do we do with this? Um, and in this case, this was such a dire emergency. I had to basically break away from a lot of what was going on in 10 days at that time to be with Ryan. And the next, the very next day, right back where we were leading this prayer walk along a revival trail out of New Haven. I'm in New Haven with Ryan, my son, who's dying now of cancer. And it was stage four right away. So like meaning this is this 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 news was like it's not like oh Ryan has this stage 1 thing and it could be treated it was like no stage 4 it's already metastasized he doesn't have much time to live they didn't say that literally but you could tell from the doctors that's how they felt it mm. was awful mm. so here we are I'm like you know the 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 challenge is uh, the question is lord how what the heck is going on and why would you permit this and how are we supposed to deal with this? Um, so, you know, I don't, again, I don't have perfect answers to that question. I just felt led it's time to pray for Ryan. Everybody as part of the 10 days prayer movement around the world was praying for him at that time. Um, and anyhow, uh, we went through a period where he got better and then a period where he got worse and he, recently passed away of June, June of this year before even the next 10 days came around. Uh, so that was, that was difficult of course. Um, but 
you know, it's like, okay, so we knew what happened the year before with, with Connor. He was rescued. Why not Lord Ryan rescued in this life? Um, and, and that's a longer conversation because right. I believe Ryan is with the father right now, and it's an amazing thing. But that's hard for me as dad, Bridget as mom, to process. Like, nonetheless, uh, I feel like the Lord is with us, and that doesn't change anything about what He's trying to accomplish in this earth. But that was something we'd had to face, and it was not the glorious outcome this time. It was like um, His death. Right. I, it's hard to process. I mean seeing the pattern of that happening several years. And I may be misremembering, was there something else with with uh, Claire a year before or something? Well, Claire herself, it wasn't to do with 10 days, um, but Claire had experienced uh, her own issue um, physically uh, where she had an injury to her knee and basically her whole... Uh, meniscus was ruined direct um and in that case uh, what happened was we, it was an amazing set of miracles where god intervened she had a birth defect in her kneecap um it was a meniscus that was malformed so instead of being shaped like a donut if you're familiar at all with how a meniscus in a knee works it was shaped in a circle so there was no hole in the middle and that had caused a problem because as she was doing her track and field work um, long jump or high jump or some jump, it just like totally shredded mm -hmm. and was, you know, causing a huge issue in her knee. But that wasn't, that wasn't related to 10 days. So nonetheless, no. these two back-to-back -back years, you have these two situations. The reason it's relevant is because, you know, again, in the midst of serving God, you know, Claire almost lost her knee, but in her case, she had a miraculous surgery. And then when there was a risk to the surgery having failed, but through trusting in God and faith and seeing uh, God move, her knee's fine today. Like, she's totally good. Like, it could it could have been a problem. It could have been like they could have had to go back in and rip it out. Mm -hmm. But this happened to all three of our children. Right. We had right. a medical attack issue, whatever you want to call it, a problem in each one of the kids. And Claire and Connor are fine, but Ryan is in heaven. Right. So, you know. It's but, con it's confusing too. I mean, there was I just remember all the prayer times we had. Yes. And they were powerful, they were dynamic. And this is not to say that we haven't seen incredible miracles happen. And we've been sharing those stories. Oh yeah. So we know God answers prayer. We know that God does miracles. We just are left in this world. Yeah, that's Yeah, we're just left scratching our head on this one. Yeah, and and and, and thinking about it like look we don't know all the ins and outs because some of this, you know, the scripture informs us, like Jesus said, um, you know, we see in part, or maybe Paul said it, but it's in the scripture. We see in part, we know in part today, but in the future, when we're with God together, we will see clearly and we will know the whole thing. Right. Uh, forget exactly the scripture, but that's pointing out like some of the stuff we're never going to understand, but that doesn't mean a miracle or, or, or like what's best in the total picture was not accomplished with someone like Ryan and his situation. Firstly, I know absolutely in my heart of hearts that there was great purpose in unifying the body together to pray for Ryan. 
I think anytime we come together as the body and pray for anything God's asking us to pray for, that is glorifying God. Like we're accomplishing the work of the church coming together in unity. And, you know, uh, sometimes we see, as I have, like in our church at uh, St. Paul in Westport, Connecticut, we have a healing and delivering deliverance ministry. We have seen miracles of stage four cancer healed. I have experienced that with people that I've prayed for directly. Right. They lived. Brian didn't live. Right. So back to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that scripture, that gives us insight that, you know, whether we live or we don't, we're not, we're going to do what's right. We're going to give God glory. Right. And I, you know, how do you, how do you say it other than you live through it? Like I give God glory for what he did, even in those prayers, the challenge for all of us is like, well, those prayers weren't answered. So then what? It's like, well, does that mean that, you know, the what Jesus commanded us to do, which is to pray for people to be healed, is void? No. It just means we don't see it as uh, we may have expected it or may, uh, you know, it's, it's in this world you will have trouble. Take heart that Jesus has overcome the world. Sometimes we see people delivered, sometimes not. I remember there's a story about John G. Lake, and then when he was called to be a missionary in South Africa, he was a businessman like I uh, am, and he came out of uh, insurance sales, having made the equivalent of millions of dollars in today's terms, and God called him to a different ministry. And one of the things that he experienced was the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire and he planted churches in in South Africa. His movement still exists today. But there came a point where he could not sustain his field missionaries. He could not provide <clears throat> the monetary or resources that they needed himself. And basically, he left it with the Lord. And in that case, uh, there were people who died. Hmm. And so it's one of these things like, well, wait a second. I thought God provides. But when those people died, it was not in vain. It was actually part of God seeding something that then created a whole new church wing and denomination and planting in South Africa. I forget the name of their denomination. but Right, right. I think one thing when we're going through these challenges to remember, um, <clears throat> and this is something... Um, I think it's very biblical. You know, Jesus, as he's going to the cross, in in the Gospel of John, you, you see this especially, he makes it really clear. No one is taking my life from me. I'm laying it down. I'm Jesus do- said that. Jesus yeah. said that. I'm doing this voluntarily. And so whatever we're going through in serving the Lord, I think it's important that we don't let ourselves become victims where either God or the devil or other people are doing all these things to us. Mm-hmm. So, because that can create a lot of bitterness, a lot of resentment. But we come to the Lord and we say, look, Lord, I'm giving you my all. If that means this is going to happen or that's going to happen, I've already surrendered it. It's yours. I'm here for you. I'm ready to um, to go through this um, because, you know, I'm giving it to you. It's, it's freely given from me. This one principle we can kind of invite people into as, as they might be going through different difficulties or challenges. Um, back to the financial uh, piece of difficulty. 
Can I interject yeah, yeah, something yeah. on the financial yeah. side? Yeah. Well, firstly, to wrap up the Ryan's death side, look, Stephen was a martyr, okay? And he had to fulfill in the biblical account in Acts what he was called to do. Right. If you remember, the first thing he was called to do was to become a deacon or one who would help organize the early church, one would help resource the early church so that the apostles could go do their work. Um, but then shortly thereafter in the narrative, he he gives a he preaches to the people of Israel. And he's preaching the truth about the Pharisees and the leaders and how they crucified Christ. And for that, he got stoned. He was killed. So he was a martyr. Um, sometimes God calls us in his greater plan to die, and we may not understand it. Like, I don't know what Stephen did or didn't understand. When he woke up that day, he probably wasn't thinking, yep, they're going to stone me, and this is it. Who knows what he thought? Right, right. Who knows why Ryan died? Um, we know that there's good and bad in this world, but uh, what we do know is that when someone for the Lord dies, that is very valuable right. and is important. And right. that's why the martyrs are mentioned in Revelation, for example. Right. We talk about, they, I think it's Revelation 6, speaks of the martyrs um, at the altar. How much longer, Lord? before we are avenged, I guess, of their martyrdom, right? Right, right. So there's a value even in the unseen of this kind of death, and we probably can't appreciate that because it's not a miracle that's tangible right here and now. Right, right. So we see some of these miracles in our natural realm or in our earthly realm, but the mystery of God is like, well, what about the miracles of martyrdom? What about the impact that some of these sacrifices make? Uh, they're huge. Yeah, yeah, it's spiritually powerful. It's hard to understand. Uh, I think of that scripture that says precious, um, you know, in the eyes of the Lord is the, are the death or the blood of his saints, his holy ones. And also, um, you know, the, 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 the passage also in the Psalms where it talks about, I have your tears are in a bottle, you know, yes. like that God collects the tears of his holy ones. He remembers them. And... Um, in a sense, it's part of the case, uh, if we move to a legal analogy, the case that God is making against the enemy and against those yeah. who have aligned themselves with him, where at the end of the age, the kingdom is going to come and Jesus is going to make all things right, which yes. includes um, bringing judgment on the evil one for what he's done. Justice. Um, he's going to bring justice. He's going to bring vengeance. And and those who have aligned themselves with the enemy, right. uh, those who have said, yeah, we agree with you, Satan. We're going to be on on your side. Look, look at Job. He lost all of his children, not one, all. Right, right. Um, God has his purposes in it. We get glimpses of it in that narrative, and it's not easy. But God has his purposes. He will be glorified. Difficulty doesn't mean God isn't with us or isn't approving or asking us to do a thing and we're being obedient to it. That's why we are told the fellowship of his sufferings is important to understand. Uh, some theology says, hey, well, Jesus suffered. I don't have to. Right. Uh, but um, Jesus suffered so that we could be one with him forever. But that doesn't mean he also didn't say you too will suffer through these things in the world. And he, he did tell us that. Right, right. Our union with him is so complete that we participate in... 
um, what he went through ourselves. Right. And um, he, he even said, if you're not, you're not worthy of me, if you're not willing to be a part of me, including losing your life is the only way you can find your life. And the losing of your life is obviously the full meaning of that is includes death. Right, right. So. Well, this has been intense. I didn't even know if you'd want to talk about that situation. Sure. I'm glad you did just because it's it's fairly recent and it's, it's weighty. Um, Could we, um, I, maybe it's good that, to express that. Um, can we talk about back to the, original question along the financial lines you know you were you were talking about how god said hey do not ask people for money at this time um to 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 build a support for this ministry right um and there was good reason for that i think one of the things that's important for people listening here is you come from a more traditional ministry background i come from a business background some people here will be from either one of those backgrounds as well. I think that God puts together ministry and business people for his purposes, and it doesn't mean that it's just like, oh, the money man with the ministry guy. It means two different approaches culturally to ministry because we're all, I feel we're all called to ministry. Right. And for me, the financial uh, lessons, the financial part of it was I knew how in my own strength how to make money have a career, have a business that could generate profits. Uh, and God asked me to lay that down. You could have turned to the typical ways of fundraising for ministry and supporting oneself as a pastor or other form of minister. And, you know, you could have all sorts of fundraisers or ask people to tithe to you or whatever, you know, people use. Sell Cutco on the side. Yeah. Um, or some blend in between. So the point is, I think both of us, went through what we did simply with God helping us understand I can do a thing not in the traditions of men. And if you're going to pioneer in this work with me, you're going to have to tap into a greater power than yourself. Right. And the power of self can fundraise for nonprofit and can make money in the profit realm but the power of God can do it with or without money and in, in through any financial circumstance, hardship or, or blessing. Totally. Um, as you were sharing a little bit earlier, I just felt led to share this story. So uh, I mentioned we had a pretty intensive season of testing. I mentioned how a lot of times it would be even worse, right? As 10 days was happening uh, financially. And you know that you know, you've, we've talked many times and Hey, 10 days is tomorrow. And, how you doing? Oh, I've got no dollars. It's like, oh, just like last year, <laughs> just like last it's kind of a, it's kind of a joke when you see those patterns repeat. Um, and when we get into the question of, is this the enemy? Is this the Lord is you, know, what is it? It's almost like, well, look at the cross. What was the cross? Was it the enemy? Yes. Was it the Lord? Yes. You know, <laughs> was it Jesus choosing it? Yes. It was all, you know, it was all of those things. Um, we don't have to, you know, just have a mystery bucket and put it in there and don't, you don't, we don't always have to understand everything. We do need to persevere in faith and with a good heart. But after this seven year period that was especially intense of testing and- Which for you started in 2011? 2008, yeah, 2008 Sorry, to 20, 2015. Gotcha. Um, that year at the first night of 10 days, um, 
the Lord asked me, would you go through what you've just been through for seven years? Would you be willing to do that again? And uh, it had been so difficult, so challenging, uh, so painful. Mm. I was just like, I, <laughs> I was like, oh, no. I'm like, I, I want to say yes to the Lord, but... <laughs> This is like a trick question. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, well, Lord, I would, but you got to make me some guarantees. Like, promise me this, <laughs> promise me that. Like, you know, what about this? Like, don't let this happen again. So I'm like, how about a seven year contract for three hundred million? I that that sounds great, right? <laughs> uh, but a seven year contract for like repeat of last seven years, difficult. You know, it's like almost like you're yeah, almost like you're just starting to come out of this incredible pressure and then God's saying, Hey, I'm going to put you back into that. Or would you be willing to? And so I kind of went through this in my mind. Oh, well, yeah. But if you could promise me this, promise me that. And then I realized, what am I doing? Mm. I'm like, this is not, this is not faith. Mm. This is not trusting God. This is, you know, I'm, I'm like acting out of my hurt, out of my pain. <laughs> so I just came to the Lord and I just said, Lord, if that's what you want, I would gladly do it again. I trust you. Wow, you even said gladly. I put it in this podcast. <laughs> it, even if it wasn't that word, it was at heart. Like, I'll do it, but I'm not going to like it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have that attitude. And um, it was so cool. The Lord's like, thanks. I'm not asking you to do that right Just now. Just testing. <laughs> I'm like, you're killing me. But no, it was important. He wanted to know. It was something he wanted to know. Would yeah. you be willing to do that again? And um, of God. anyway, it was, and then he said, I'm not asking you to do it. So thank God that intensive season in that area hasn't repeated. Not that we haven't had difficulties uh, or even financial challenges, but just not at the same level. And, yeah. um, but it's been a challenge and it's been tied into this calling we need to wrap up um, just time-wise for this one. I know there's a lot of other kinds of challenges we could talk about. Relation, All types. Relational challenges. Sure. Doctrinal challenges. Oh, yeah. People. Theological. Not eschatological. Get, people not getting along with each other. Yeah. People not getting along Doctrines with us. Doctrines of baptism. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so many things. Maybe we'll maybe we'll come back to challenges part two at a later time in this podcast series because I think there's two. a lot more to talk about that would be encouraging and helpful to people. Will the sequel be as good as the original? <laughs> <laughs> Are we just running out of ideas? <laughs> we'll be like Empire Strikes Back or Jaws Two. <laughs> I feel like this whole conversation was like Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> Yikes! After the great part one. Here's how the bad stuff, here's all the bad stuff that happened. Sure. Well, so. hopefully it's an encouragement for anyone going through a challenge, whatever that challenge is. Yeah. Amen. When we follow God, it is not always easy, but. Do you have peace today as a result of having gone through those fires? Yeah, it's a good question. I do. I do. I do feel like I have a bit of a limp. Mm -hmm. um, I do feel like I have a bit of a limp. Okay, like financially. Not 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 in that area, but just in general, like I f I feel like good in terms of 
good good place with God. Yep. Forgiveness towards people that have harmed me. Yep. Um, but I do feel like I, I have a bit of a limp and just like a scar. Yeah, just like okay, I've been through some battles, some stuff, and um, certainly I think, but more faith, sure, more hope and more love, mm. but also just a little bit of that. Okay, I've been wrestling with God, <laughs> right, <laughs> and um, and so, but yeah, no, I do feel peace in my soul and. I can honestly say there's not, there aren't things that I'm like, Oh, I wish I could take that back. I wish I hadn't done that Mm. at this point. I can say that I couldn't have always said that about every part of the journey. Uh, cause it just surprises you. It's real. Like it's real pain. Sure. Um, And it's, it's natural. And I know this from my own experiences. It's natural to not want to touch that hot stove again. Right. You know, cause that that's painful. Right. And that's, and, and, uh, <laughs> I know at one point in my journey, I, cause, cause what would happen is like, I would get in the presence of God and encounter God's spirit and I would like in his love and it would just melt me. Yeah. And I'd just say like, and then he'd say, do this. And I'd just say, yes, yeah. You know, I love you. I love you. Uh, right. And then I'd go into it and it would just be so, <laughs> so painful. Right. So difficult. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, you know, at one point I'm like, I feel like I'm in like an abusive relationship, but it's not that it felt like that. That's not what it is. No, it is. Um, God is not abusive. It's just that he, he calls us to partner with him as sons. And we are disciplined and pruned as sons. That's what Hebrews uh, 12 says. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so it's totally, um, it's a loving action. doesn't feel like it. Right, right. The love of God that we encounter in worship where it's just so intense is his love. And then going through these things is part of his love. And then I, you know. It, and, and don't we also agree that on the backside of it, you're like, wow, I'm a much better off for that. I'm a much better person for that. I'm a much more experienced and conditioned and, you know, thankful for that, even though it was painful. Even though it was painful. Right. Everything that doesn't kill us or take us out every right. trial we can navigate with a pure heart. It's, it's really important when you go through a trial to sort out your heart, heart check afterwards. I have this rule. So if you're upset and bitter with God, that's another whole, that's thing. a, that's a sign that something's wrong. <laughs> right. So I have this rule. Um, and I've kind of learned to do this with God. I'm allowed to feel anything that I'm feeling and I'm allowed to be honest about it. So if I'm like, God, I'm really mad at you right now. Mm-hmm. that's fine. I'm allowed to do that. What I'm not allowed to do is I'm not allowed to stay there. So, what if I'm really mad at you? <laughs> <laughs> you're not allowed to stay there. Okay. You're just jealous because you're a camel and I'm a unicorn. I think that's probably. Oh, wow. I got two humps. <laughs> <laughs> you're the one who compared yourself to a camel. Um, you strain out Desert a gnat dweller. and swallow a camel. <laughs> Yikes. Is it just because you've been watching? It's uh, all the favorable interpretations of scripture that you give me. <laughs> so, but just that, that idea of, okay, God, I've gone through a difficult thing trying to follow you. It's okay I, to be emotional, but. My emotion, like I'm allowed to feel whatever I'm feeling. Yep. I'm allowed to think what I'm thinking. Right. But then that thought, feeling, whatever has to come into submission mm-hmm. to the Lordship of Jesus and, and fall and come to under the scripture. So if it's like someone's harmed me, it's like, okay. 
Lord, I'm angry at this person. Right. They lied to me. They betrayed me. They stabbed me in the back and they hurt me. Right. It's like, okay, I'm allowed. That's how I feel. But, but if you leave it there, not allowed to leave it there. What does the Bible say? You know, if you don't forgive others, their sins, you won't be forgiven. Okay. I have to forgive them. Like that's part of the deal, but it hurts. It hurts. And, and, and so that's what I would call like tending your heart. It's like tending a garden, like weeds are going to grow in the garden. Um, storms are going to come and knock down the plants, but then you need to get back in the garden of your heart and straighten things out. I'd say the harder one is not when people wrong you, but when you feel as though maybe God has wronged you. So then how do you deal with that one? I would agree. God's perfect. He doesn't do anything against us that's uh, wrong or of sin, but we can get a super emotional about feeling let down. Right. Right. God, where are you? You didn't do this. You promised me that. Why didn't Ryan get healed? I mean, it could be any of these things. So why, you know, what, how do you, how do you handle that one? If you're a 10 days coordinator, minister, unity catalyst, how do you handle the offense towards God? Yeah, I think mo- so it's interesting in my journey. I never had offense towards God until I started walking closely with him and following him. Mm-hmm. And, and the way, the reason was I reasoned beforehand. I was just like, God doesn't owe me anything. It's like, sure. I'm alive, you know, like, he doesn't owe me anything. Bad things happen to me. It's like, whatever. It's my own fault or it's just happening. I didn't blame God for it. You know, yep. I know some people will blame God like, God, why is this happening to me? And it's like, well, you don't even have a relationship. Why would you? But I, like I, I re- you? but I remember as you were struggling through some of these financial things, you did. Exactly. And God. that that's when it started to come for me is when I started depending on him. So he started telling me like, Hey, do this. Hey, I'm going to do this for you. Like one of the things he said, told me was he was going to provide for me and my family. Right. So couldn't miss your, his provision. Right. But by that point I had already figured out a little bit of things of how this works. But when he's saying, I'm going to provide for you and your family, and then you're in a a season of experiencing lack, you know? So I was just like, God, you're not doing what you said. You told me you do this. And ever since you told me that, the opposite's happened. Yeah. And by the way, for anyone listening, like it's not always the case where um, God causes you never to lack once you follow him. Paul said it pretty well when he said, whether I'm abased or bound, right. I'm trusting in him and he's providing for me still. Right. So because I had these promises from God and I knew, like, I'm like, I knew this was God talking to me and I knew that God was good, but I was also like, God, why did you say this to me and lead me to do this? And it's led me into this horrible situation because I trusted you. Right. And, um, where I found myself was then I'd start to accuse God in my heart. Like, God, you lied to me. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, one time I even, you said you'd provide for me. What's this? And you're not like, and, um, you know, it was funny. I, I wasn't even willing to like, I wasn't questioning my own hearing of the Lord, <laughs> which is funny. You'd think that would be what you'd question. I was right. questioning. Maybe I misunderstood God. Did I, did I make the right decision? But I was like, no, you, you make like, and even b- biblically, we know it's a promise as well, not just a, and um, there was even one time I had to 
cast a demon out of myself because I had. Do you do that often? No. As <laughs> I said one time. No, I just, I, I, there was this like spirit in me accusing God. And I was like, I got to get rid of this. What would you call that thing? Oh. I don't know. Don't I mean, that's the, that's the enemy, like, right? The Accuser. enemy wants to accuse God of not being good. And he wants us to agree with his accusation. So I was agreeing with that. Right. We hear about the devil wanting to accuse us of you did this wrong. Right. You're saying accusing God. He wants to accuse God. Yeah. yeah. And uh, what really brought me out of it <laughs> was, an ex- it was an experience during 10 days in 2009. Was it like the ice bucket challenge? <laughs> because <laughs> this during that season greg that you this was happening to me like every couple weeks and uh the financial trouble yeah yeah, yeah. it was like this accusation against god oh the the accusation yeah. yeah 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 um what what brought a breakthrough um was actually the day before eva was born today's her her birthday was november 2nd 2009 yep and there's some other parts of the story, but basically I was that, that day I was in a season of, okay, I have bills to pay. I can't pay. I was feeling this offense rise up in me. And I said to the Lord, I basically did what Abraham did. And I put the promise on the altar. Mm-hmm. So I said, Lord, I know that you promised me, um, that you would provide for me, but if you're going to kill me financially first, I accept that because I know in the end you're going to come through. Like, I know you can raise me from the dead. Right. And when that happened, I felt like I could hear all the angels in heaven celebrating like, oh, this guy, after all this time, he's finally gotten it. <laughs> <laughs> so th- there's, <laughs> that's what they were celebrating. Yeah. In their <laughs> Others, their salvation, you, he's finally got it. You know, maybe it was repentance. Maybe it was, maybe because it, it is says, a, you know, a sinner who comes to repentance. And so maybe that's what it was, is that um, this idolatry of the promise yeah. that was there, yeah. and, got, and, and then there was this repentance that was enabling me to trust God. Sorry for getting upset with you. Right, right. So all to say, when we trust God for things specifically, we're going to face situations like that. I mean, think about Joseph in the Bible, great biblical example. He gets these promises. You're going to rule a kingdom. Your brothers and your parents are going to bow down to you. And what's the first thing that happens to him? Gets the snot beat out of him. He gets thrown in a pit. (laughs) He gets (laughs) sold into slavery. He gets lied about. 17 years, bro. Right. He gets accused of rape, lied about, betrayed, thrown in a dungeon. He goes from slavery to the dungeon. Even helps the other prisoners. They They, don't. They forget about him. Exactly. So. My point is, yeah, when we, when we start partnering with God in these ways and there starts to be, God starts speaking to us and we start being obedient, we should expect some of these same challenges. These stories in the Bible, they don't really come alive until you're living them. You know, it's easy right. to just look over that story of Joseph and be like, oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he ruled Egypt. It's like, how many years was it that he was in that? Yeah, approach? you keep telling me you want that chariot that Joseph had. But <laughs> you didn't mention the 17 years in the prison. <laughs> right, right. And, and, uh, and yet that's what God will bring people through a lot of times. Um, it's part of his ways. It's been part of his ways. Right. It's what happened with his own son. 
So we should not be surprised when we face challenges right. when we're doing uh, things like 10 days. And yeah, serving God. Yeah, well, this has been a great conversation, Greg. Um, I hope we can reprise 10 days challenges. I want to hit more on the relational challenges at another time. But for now, let's sign off and um, wrap this time up. We'll see you in the sequel. Thanks so much. Thanks so much.